The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us and glad to be working once again with Nathan Miller, our producer. He's at the board, and we are doing this show live from Seattle the day after Groundhog Day. Six more weeks of winter. What else is new, right? At least according to Punxsutawney Phil, and thereby, boy, here comes a pun, thereby hangs a tail. The whole idea is six more weeks of winter, Punxsutawney Phil in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, I thought since 1993 that the film, the great, the iconic movie Groundhog Day was filmed in Punxsutawney. Well, I was wrong. It turns out the shooting location was, I guess, almost entirely in Woodstock, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Wow, that was a revelation. Thanks to my good friend, Jamie Jensen. He is the author of a wonderful book. Now it's in his 25th anniversary edition, Road Trip USA, Cross-Country Adventures on America's Two-Lane Highways. We're going to talk about Woodstock, Illinois, famous for an iconic film. We're also going to talk about Buffalo, New York, and those wonderful hardy souls that make that place a paradise even during brutal winters. And in Buffalo, they're usually brutal. This time, it seems like they're getting it worse than usual. Lots to unpack there, and we'll do exactly that as we visit Woodstock, Illinois, and Buffalo, New York, part of the Erie Canal legacy. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we'll be back with the interview right after this. Adventure History and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. There's room to roam along the scenic byways in southeast Idaho's high country, and it's a great time to get away and decompress. Did you know southeast Idaho is hot spring country? Come and relax in natural mineral water hot pools. Then visit one of their quirky museums like the Idaho Potato Museum. 
the Museum of Clean, or the Butch Cassidy Museum. Go to IdahoHighCountry.org to plan your trip. You're sure to find your favorite way to disconnect when you visit Idaho. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150KKNW.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk and another visit with our buddy Jamie Jensen, author of Road Trip USA, Cross-Country Adventures on America's Two-Lane Highways. Jamie, welcome back. It's so good to be with you again, Gary. Thank you. I hope that we create enough space so that it's not like every day is like the day before, one after the other, after the other, deja vu style. <laughs> deja vu all over again, as Yogi would say, right? It's but I'm glad you like Groundhog Day because it's such a wonderful film and it's such a wonderful kind of backstory with this Punxsutawney Phil and it's you know Americana at its best. I believe you. I love the movie. I find it inspirational, in fact. When I think about Groundhog Day, of course, I think of Punxsutawney Phil. And for all these years, like I noted earlier, I thought, okay, well, they went there to Pennsylvania outside Pittsburgh, Punxsutawney. They filmed it. And here's this great movie. That's not the backstory at all. And I'm very curious to know, Jamie, how did they wind up filming it in Woodstock, Illinois? Well, Woodstock, Illinois is a beautiful place with a wonderful town square, which is kind of the star of the film because everything happens in this town square location, right? And so they compress everything there. But it's um the back the craziness of the Groundhog Day. I think we need to unpack a little bit of that as well because it's an actual it's an ancient pagan tradition. It's not just some weird thing they invented in Pennsylvania. It goes way back to the you know Middle Ages and pagan times, and because it is the official middle of winter, so people would get together and think, how are we going to survive another six weeks of this? So that th- that shows up first in this Punxsutawney Phil in this um you know the the mountains of Western Pennsylvania. And then in that wonderful Bill Murray film, which you, know, you get to repeat your life and kind of fine tune it. And if people don't know it, it should it's a must see like it's a wonderful life. It's that kind of American classic. So, um, yeah, l- lots to talk about. But um, you're staying warm, I hope, because it's pretty chilly. It's this time of year is when I'm glad to be sitting home and not out there traveling around. I reside in Sarasota, Florida, so winter means something different to us here. And it's no accident that Suzanne and myself moved down here because I wanted to chase the sun. I love Seattle. I I actually used to say this to people. I think the best of both worlds would be to have Seattle as your home or your home base, except for winter. Then you chase the sun, go to Florida, and you've got the best of both worlds. And so far, so good. I'll put it that way. Pretty good. The best I ever knew. I had a, a fellow I met who um, lived on a boat and sailed. This in his his case between Cape Cod in the summer and the Bahamas in the winter. And I thought, mm. that's you know, what's wrong with that picture? It's it's pretty good. So yeah, but that's another sort of traveling. But road tripping, you know. Th- which is what we're we're talking about here. It's it's a good thing to think about before you hit the road, so that you know these funny little stories, and you you turn off at little towns like Woodstock, which is kind of a nothingville, and you know on the maps, nothing much has happened there. But you get to the place, and it's really fun, and it's you know it, it's like in the movie. They didn't have to build anything to make the movie there, which is kind of, you know it's not like Hello Dolly or something like that. So there's a, a few places like this around the U.S. and um, Woodstock, Illinois, it just trips off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. And it seems that the civic leaders knew a good thing when they had it going. 
and they have managed to associate themselves with the movie Groundhog Day in such a manner and to such a degree that this year, for example, they will conclude the festivities on Sunday. So they just keep the party going. Hey, that's the way. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I, I hope a lot of this involves being indoors and uh, dancing because there's a really good <laughs> dance scene in that film. That if people, I, I just I'm taken back to it. There's so many scenes. You know, Bill Murray learning to play the piano, and then it's, he's just such a winning presence. But the, the the fact that you can go there and re-experience, I think they actually have impersonators who play some of the characters sometime too so people can re recreate scenes from the film so um I, I would love to make it there for an actual groundhog day though so better you than me pal that i'll have you on the show <laughs> after you tell me how it went there uh but the, the whole concept of it is wonderful and this is a place that it's not right next door to Chicago, but if you're in the Chicago area, you can certainly make plans to get out to Woodstock because it isn't that far away. Well, and it's another one of it's Woodstock is one of these towns that I fill my book Road Trip USA with. It's little towns outside big cities that used to be something and are kind of gorgeous. It's on I do a route all the way across from Oregon to Cape Cod and it passes through Chicago and it stops at Woodstock. And if you're traveling through that area in the summertime, this time of year, I think you probably want to get from A to B, but there's some really beautiful places out there. And so again, I get, the great thing for me about road tripping is the possibilities for detours and distractions. And thinking about, you know, the Candlemas Festival, which became um, Punxsutawney Phil and Groundhog Day, and then became this movie. And they're all reasons to go and explore these back roads that we love so much. And with that, you also have those businesses that through uh, thick and thin have managed to survive sometimes for generations. And they will be these quaint places, the cafes, the, the repurposed buildings, turning them into a hotel or bed and breakfast. And they stand out in their own right so that if you've gone there once, you probably want to go back there again to recreate that experience in small towns. Yeah, they, it's it's a big deal in a small town like Woodstock to have this festival. It's like, and there's a few places where they have these crazy winter festivals. I remember going to a, I'm up in Minnesota. There's a town that's famous for decorating their fishing sheds when people go ice ice fishing, which is mm. what they do. These brave souls who have no uh, feelings in their fingers for three months of the year, but and they would have a parade of all these sheds that people would decorate, and it's kind of charming. But you get a sense of this in small town America that you know there may not be a gateway arch, but there's a lot of little things to see along the way as we travel around. You know what I love about what you just said? You put me in mind of the fact that people in large cities or small towns, they find things and people and times of the year to celebrate. So there's a festive atmosphere because people have the will to create it. Yeah, and and this time of year it mostly revolves around football games and you know, sporting events are really good. But I, I like in the Midwest you get rodeos, you have these sort of seasonal festivals sometimes because there's like a bird migration and to pay attention to these things and to plan your travels so you can be there when the rodeo's in town really makes the place come alive. Whereas if there's nothing going on, it may just look like nowhere'sville. But if you time it for like Fourth of July is a great thing for me to go and check out the parades and see. 
you know, how America celebrates itself. And uh, in wintertime, I like doing this kind of research. So this is what I've been doing because I'm now on my 10th edition of this Road Trip USA book. And I've been over a half a million miles now that I've been traveling around. Fortunately, in more temperate times, I get to sit home and look at my notes afterwards. But it's a, I'm really kind of, as you can tell, I'm bubbling over with enthusiasm for events like this. I can see why you would, and congratulations on the continued success of this wonderful work, Road Trip USA. There is so much packed into it. it. It's not a thin volume. It is lushly photographed, and you have so much information with a lot of those sidebars and those those little informative boxes where you can find out the backstory or little-known facts about a place as you plan your trip. And you're all about the, the highways and byways. Well, not so much the highways in your case, but the two-lane roads. You're totally in love with those. And you've been, I think, on every one of them in the lower 48. Well, there, there's a lot of them out there. But yeah, these are the roads that pre-existed the interstates. You know, this is the kind of the great American 30s and 40s you know, from Grapes of Wrath, which cruised down old Route 66. Um, but because the interstates now, it's like, everything's a little bit the same and everyone's in such a hurry to get everywhere but to get onto these smaller roads and the road to woodstock is as quaint and small you know it's old us 20 which kind of winds across so there's the scale of the road yes it takes a little longer to get places but you see so much more along the way and that's kind of to me the point of this sort of road trip traveling so i'm i'm always glad when you say how nice the book is because it's so hard to share with people but i have so many like old postcards and images and you know the, kind of my treasures over the, the 30 odd years I've been doing this and I it's really nice to share with people so thank you for letting me uh, talk about it a bit oh absolutely now you did mention football okay we're all familiar with the term bills mafia buffalo new york what a town in so many aspects there's more there than you might think it's fascinating to me. So you have a wonderful football team, not going to be in the Super Bowl this year, but I have a feeling they're going to keep knocking on the door with the kind of talent they have on that team. And Buffalo, they take such great pride in their team. It's a matter of identifying, much in the same way, I think, as Pittsburghers identify with the Steelers. For sure. And you get this, you know, in college towns a lot when, you know, when the, when the homecoming game or something, you know, and so that's another way that brings people together. But I think that's the, the nice thing about when a, as a traveler, if you can experience what it's like to like spend your life in a place, you know, it, it really makes it come alive and you get a sense of how different all these. I mean, Buffalo is so not like New Orleans or something like that. Right. They're two very different cities, but it would be hard to pin down. You know, but love for football would certainly be a good starting point because like Saints fans are almost as insane as Bills fans. in my <laughs> True enough. When we speak of Buffalo, one of the things that I just learned recently and I got it out of your book is that. There is an architectural history there and a sense of continually evolving, repurposing their structures. But some famous architects, Frank Lloyd Wright among them, built structures in and around Buffalo. He built more buildings there than he did anywhere else outside Oak Park, Chicago, where he lived and worked for many years. So no, it, and it, it makes sense when you think, well, Buffalo was a big deal in 1905 and 1915 when the Erie Canal was still at its peak. You know, and, and understanding American history makes you a, more able to understand places like Buffalo, which have these gorgeous, I mean, they have some beautiful, um, frankly, right, houses that you can still visit. And they're so 
you know, Desrez, whatever, but they're in, still in Buffalo and nobody's going to pick them up and move them somewhere else. But they're really civilized. And I, I think the city is, you know, for a while it was a, a shame because they tore down a lot of really nice buildings. You know, St. Louis did the same thing, had some wonderful 1905 buildings. But places are now in the the road trip world seems to be supporting this. Like you were talking about people taking over older buildings, opening up cafes. People are kind of appreciating the heritage more and bringing them back to life. And tourism is really sustaining the preservation of a lot of these nice old buildings and great old town squares. If people you know, get out of their cars, walk around, visit some of these places, I feel like we're doing a good thing, sending people out on the small roads rather than you know to Applebee's. No offense yes. to Applebee's. <laughs> and I've eaten at one of those just outside Buffalo, as a matter of fact. So no offense intended. <laughs> and they I are wonderful them. for sports memorabilia. If you go to an Applebee's, they will always be decorated with the local sports team. So they have their place. But um, yeah. Yeah. And that was exactly the case when we went. When we talk about food, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the buffalo sauce and those wonderful wings. Apparently that I don't people had to eat chicken wings before, but they didn't eat them buffalo style. And that has become a point of pride, civic pride for many, many years. Well, yeah, it became a thing, wasn't it? It was like when, when Americans discovered hot sauce or something. I don't know how it wasn't a thing before, but it's that don't you like dip them in a deep cream sort of there's something about buffalo wings and there's an anchor bar where people go there and they get these wings but buffalo has all sorts of specialties so they have these sandwiches and it has a real kind of germanic european tradition but there's beef on weck there's lots of great road food stops around places like buffalo and the surrounding area and of course the big attraction in buffalo which we haven't mentioned but we have to is niagara falls Mm, which is you know was like the must-see of american tourism you know when people didn't fly off to tahiti or whatever so there's a lot there to see there's this history that you know the beauty of niagara falls especially in winter i'm i've seen videos of it it looks miraculous in when it's all iced up so there's a all these things kind of fit one to another, but this is the great thing for me about keeping track of all these is that I can make these segues and it almost makes sense because I'm talking about, well, if you drove a road from Buffalo, you know, turn left at Buffalo, you end up at the Niagara Falls and it's really beautiful. <laughs> Which I can attest because uh, Suzanne and I have been there. It was uh, 10 years ago, as a matter of fact, we went there and because we had our passports, we were able to see it from both the American and the Canadian side. It depends on your perspective, but I've had numerous people tell me, oh, it's prettier over on the Canadian side in a way that is true in terms of the perspective. Because if you go out uh, onto a pavilion area, you can stand very close to the water. It's an awesome sight. And you're as close as you can be unless you're going to be braving it, getting onto the Maid of the Mists, for example. And then you go toward, and I've seen them go toward and they get pushed back, go toward and get pushed back. And you're, everybody's wearing a raincoat and it's quite an experience. I did not have that experience, but I did see uh, Niagara Falls from both sides. And it's an incomparable kind of beauty shared by two nations that are friendly to each other. There's a great feeling when you're there. 
Yeah, and there's a footbridge that you can walk across, isn't there, between the two? That's called like the Friendship Bridge or something like that. So I'm with you that the the falls probably look better from the Canadian side, but there's an island you can get to from the U.S. side. This is what I recommend in Road Trip USA is that people walk around and you can stand right at the lip of the falls. And it's such a roar. I mean, I like the sound of the falls were so, so wonderful. But I think that the main trouble with the U.S. side is it was a pretty industrial city. Niagara Falls was like chemicals and mills. And there's a legacy there that's kind of hard. You know, Love Canal, that terrible toxic waste dump was in Niagara Falls, New York. And so there's some things about the the Rust Belt, which are still kind of, you, you have to turn a blind eye to. But the falls are so worth seeing. And people, I think probably have been to see the Eiffel Tower and not seen the Niagara Falls. And I think that's a, a you know, a failure of our education system, something there. But when it comes to Niagara Falls, on the American side, there was the reaching back to the long Buffalo history of industrialism. Then you cross over into Canada, if you do, and you go to Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. And I'm telling you, from the standpoint of pop culture and the tourist traps, using it in the best sense, a lot of that stuff is so much fun, including just about a Las Vegas-sized casino. That's a whole different experience once you get out of your car. Yeah, well, I think that the biggest one of the attractions you're talking about, I think there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, yes. which always seems to show up next to these beauty sites. You know, you, I, I think once you've seen one of those, it seems like enough to me. But I kind of like that aspect of tourism where it's a little bit tacky and bright lights and loud noise and cotton candy and all that. But so I, the, my place for that is always the beachfront amusement parks, but yeah, the, the North, the Canadian side is pretty cool. And we, you know, in, although I call it road trip USA, I also do a lot of Canada. I go to Morant, Montreal up to the Canadian Rockies. So I, I do cover a little bit of Canada in road trip USA, which always annoys the Canadians, but it's not hard to annoy Canadians really. Is it? If you, but yeah. if they register any complaint, they do it politely. Exactly. Exactly. They <laughs> apologize for complaining. Afterward. <laughs> <laughs> no stereotyping going on here. <laughs> oh, never. Heaven forbid. This idea, well, as a matter of fact, if we're going to uh, bring in Canada here, if you go to Detroit and there is an incredible, uh, we talked about it on this program, so much to see in Detroit. Don't miss Windsor, Ontario. That's a whole wonder world unto itself. Yeah, and Detroit is a must-see for anyone interested in what the automobile has, you know, empowered in America. And there's that wonderful Henry Ford Museum on the outskirts that I would, I think, is just, you know, it should be a Smithsonian sort of quality place. It's sort of Detroit's answer to it, really. Yeah, possible. It's Henry Ford's answer to it. I think it's That's Dearborn. Right. I think Detroit was not really part of his his world. But no, there's so much, you know, I, I like it. People talk about the decline of America, but I think there's so many places you can go and see it coming back. And I'm really kind of liking that. And, and a lot of big cities have really like Detroit was pretty sad 10, 15 years ago. But I think it's got it's kind of found its uh, self again somehow. Because there was a people's intention. It was decided by people of great station in Detroit life or small. I mean, even urban gardens, for example, they decided that they were going to have a Detroit renaissance and it is well underway. Excellent. Here's what well, Buffalo is doing a similar, you know, there's a lot of like what you might call urban homesteading 
and the, you know the um there's a lot to unpack there but gardens help and it's nice to experience communities where people walk and talk to each other <laughs> you know and getting out of your car like you suggested is really key you can't drive through any of these places i mean I, my book is about driving and following these roads but it's when i travel i'm in and out of the car all the time and you to walk at least as much as you spend time sitting behind the wheel is a real crucial tip for happy road tripping good point you mentioned something, Jamie, that I want to get to. People will go to a place to buy a thing to enjoy. A lot of times it involves food and beverage. You mentioned beef on wick. Now that seems like Buffalo's answer to the French dip. It, it Exactly. Well, you and I are SoCal people and we know Flippies from way back, right? So, right. Yeah. I mean, that is the Ur sandwich, I think. But beef on wick is kind of the same thing thing i think but it's a different sort of role it's more like what we'd call a kaiser role i think so i don't know i get in trouble because i'm not that attentive to these details i just think mm, that tastes good and when it comes to winter i personally i wouldn't recommend that people if they're going to drive around and make a big tour of it that they go to buffalo in winter time seems like the hardy souls of buffalo get through winter and it's been a devil of a winter so far i hope it eases up on them just incredible amounts of snow. Somebody's got to dig that out, and it's not always going to be a big truck. I admire those citizens of Buffalo. They get out there with their shovels, and, I mean, some of them pass away. We've all heard about people having a heart attack while they're shoveling snow, but there it is, and they just see it through. They gut it out, and then they enjoy the rest of the year in Buffalo, which also has a, a great downtown core and a cultural scene. Yeah, well, that's it. And, and the spirit that I think lets them survive through the winter, you know, that toughness is, is, you know, it's like the Yankees in New England, whatever Vermonters in New Hampshire fight over what is that more snow to shovel. But it, it does give you a sense of what the place is like in real life, because these are people who are year round. They're not just the, you know, the, the fellow tourists aren't the people you necessarily want to meet when you're traveling around. So to go to places where the locals go is really that for me, the kind of key to success. And that's part of the Erie Canal legacy. I know that you have a special place in your heart for Buffalo and probably Woodstock, Illinois as well. We've discussed those two here with the best when it comes to two-lane highway travel. Jamie Jensen, again, his book is called Road Trip USA, Cross-Country Adventures on America's Two-Lane Highways. We'll do this again soon, Jamie. Thanks so much for visiting with us. Oh, thank you, Gary. Great to be with you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Music.